Hello, hello again. Welcome to the Reclaimed Podcast. I am Whitney Elise, and I'm just a black girl trying to help us all do better. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you guys are showing so much love to this podcast. I am overwhelmed in the best possible way, and I sincerely appreciate it. Having launched only one week ago, you guys are just out here sharing and liking, giving me ideas, like, helping facilitate the conversations. Um, Yeah, I like really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, One of the suggestions, though, that I thought was super fun and something that I want to start on the podcast is a segment called The Church Announcements. And so this will be our pop culture, culture, politics take. Um, and so, yeah, let's get into our first edition of the church announcements. So in this week's church announcements, there is a reboot coming. That is right. For all of my fellow millennials and people who also enjoyed clueless but don't fit in that age group it's okay there's no judgment here Um, there might be a little bit of judgment but it doesn't matter so the creator of girls trip tracy oliver and one of the writers for glow marquita robinson are actually in the process of remaking clueless i personally am excited about that i liked girl trip girls trip i liked clue of course i like clueless but i also like the show glow and so I think that sounds really really interesting and really really fun and it sounds kind of urban ish if you will um so I'm looking forward to seeing that I'm not really big on reboots and you know recreations of things that have already been done however it would be interesting to see some of the problematic conversations that were had on clueless had in today's light and atmosphere um, also with the fun of the story, uh, who knows, did, does Cher get with her brother, her, her stepbrother again? Cause you know, some of us think that's uncomfortable and weird and problematic. Um, will Dion not ever be problematic? Here's looking at you, Stacey Dash. Um, please keep Stacey Dash on the sick and shut in list. Um, along with Kanye, I mean, Kanye, uh, yeah, we're keeping them on the sick and shut-in list. Also on the sick and shut-in list is a gentleman named Ron DeSantis, who is the Republican candidate for governor of the state of Florida. Now, why he's on the sick and shut-in list is because, well, let's just say Andrew Gillum, the Democratic candidate for, co- for governor for the state of Florida, had this to say. My grandmother used to say, a hit dog will holler. Uh, And it hollered uh, through this room. 
Mr. DeSantis has spoken. Uh, hey, first of all, he's got neo-Nazis helping him out in the state. Uh, he has spoken at racist conferences. He's accepted a contribution and would not return it from someone who referred to the former president of the United States as a Muslim N-I-G-G-E-R. Uh, when asked to return that money, he said no. He's using that money to now fund negative ads. Now, I'm not calling Mr. DeSantis a racist. I'm simply saying the racists believe he's a racist. Ooh, that was quick and brutal. <laughs> and that's why uh, the Republican candidate for governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, is on the sick and shut in list, along with uh, a woman we discussed in our bonus episode um, earlier this week, Miss Megan Kelly, who has since been fired from NBC for her comments. Uh, the Today Show, which, you know, between you and me, a lot of us really didn't even know was still airing. Uh, we'll continue on with different panelists and different commentators. Uh, so that's that. So keep those people on the sick and shut in list. And now it's time to get into some mess. And welcome to the mess. So this episode, we're going to be talking about a brand that I admire and I'm kind of surprised and very disappointed in uh, because of what they have decided to do. So recently... We just ended our fashion month. And if you don't know, what typically happens during fashion month is that brands, labels, fashion houses will show their upcoming, their upcoming lines for the year ahead. So, for example, in the fall and winter months, like September, when we have our fashion shows, they're not showing September fashion. They're showing fashion for May of next year. So Dior recently did that. They showed their, uh, their spring summer 2019 line and they were sharing some of that line on their Instagram. And they shared the following, uh, with these two, one is a, a shirt, one is a jacket. And the description goes as follows. The soft shapes of the tunic-like shirt and shirt-like jacket in the spring-summer 2019 show alluded to the liberating and colorfully folkloric-accented forms of the early 19th century, uh, early 20th century dancer costumes, an era and aesthetic that that fired the imagination of our creative director Maria Gra Grazia Chiuri. I hope I didn't butcher that. Please forgive me. And what does this jacket and this shirt look like? This quote unquote tunic and tunic like jacket. Basically, it's a dashiki. I lie to you not. It is, they are dashikis. If I was to screen grab the image that I'm looking at right now and put it next to any dashiki that you have seen, that I have seen, you would agree that they are indeed dashikis. And they're on two white models and people were calling BS all up and down Dior's socials because, excuse me, folkloric accents of early 20th century dancer costumes? Like, 
So when I first saw it, I immediately thought dashiki. Immediately. There is no way I thought anything else. And it doesn't help that the women also look like they're wearing uh, do-rags. That doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. Uh, we'll just throw ballet slippers on them. It'll, no, one will, no one will know. No one will notice that it's a dashiki. No one will notice that it's African-inspired. Yeah, sure, right, Dior. Uh, except that we did. We really, really did. And in fact, Dior's social media lit up like a Christmas tree with a slew of comments, including one coming from user, uh, Instagram user on a curve who says, Dior, your caption is an absolute fallacy and your designer knows it. She took, she took inspiration for this motif from African people. This is not inspired by, quote, 20th century dancers, end quote. Stop stealing from us. If you're going to, quote, draw inspiration, end quote, I, can, I can't stop you. But number one, don't water down the culture. And two, give credit. For people who agree and have influence as your, this is the time to speak up. But my favorite, my favorite comment came from user Finding Paola on Instagram. Follow Finding Paola Amazing, amazing Instagram. But she says, no Dior. This is, this is inspired by the dashiki. The word dashiki comes from the Yoruba word danshiki, which is used to refer to a loose-fitting pullover, which originated in West Africa as a functional work tunic for men, comfortable enough to wear in the heat. The Yoruba loaned the word, loaned the word danshiki from the Hausa term dansiki, which means underneath. The Danziki garment was commonly worn by males under large robes. Similar garments were found in sacred Dongon burial caves in southern Mali, which date back to the 12th and 13th centuries. Meaning that a garment that is found in 12th and 13th century burial caves is being pilfered by Dior here in the 21st century. And I have a major problem with that. And I'm glad I'm not the only one who has a major problem with that. And it goes beyond just fabric, just clothes, just things we throw on our bodies or ways we style our hair, as we'll talk about later. These, these are elements of people's culture. These are elements of people's history. And Dior really did try to play it off to, as if, you know, the designer was looking at these dancers in the 20th century. First of all, who was she looking at? Josephine Baker? Like, <laughs> which, which of these dancers? Because, like, I'm looking for these 20th century dancers, and all I see is ballet, flappers, and then here comes Josephine Baker. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure which dancers that... Maria was inspired by, but I don't see any of these folk wearing dashikis. And let me add this for measure, for extra measure. How powerful would it have been if Dior had partnered with people in Mali, people, you know, from the Yoruba tribe, people from these other tribes that were just mentioned? How much more powerful of a statement would that have been? if they had partnered directly with those people to create dashikis and then said, Hey, we were inspired by African culture, the beauty, the vibrancy, the power, the, the, the colors, the, 
to say that we were just directly inspired by the artistry and the creativity of the culture. And we partnered directly with these people to create dashikis. And, and then what, how much more do you differentiate yourself from the Chanel's, from the Louis Vuitton's, from the Goyard's, when you directly partner with those people? And in partnering, they also, those creatives who created these garments also reap the benefits because they're getting money, they're getting money for their designs. And guess what? That's not ripping off the culture. That's blessing it. That's partnering with it. That's being, that's really being inspired by it instead of stealing from it. So now, instead of differentiating yourselves completely from all those other brands, doing something right by the people that you were actually inspired by Dior, instead, you are just furthering the history of Europe stealing from Africa. And what does that say? That in the 21st century, Europe is still stealing from Africa. So now that we've talked about the mess, let's get into today's message. So now on to the message. Today's message, we are talking about cultural appreciation versus cultural appropriation. Now, the term cultural appropriation is not new. It has been thrown around a ton, a lot. But recently, it seems to have gained popularity particularly with this, yes, with this recent Dior uh, dashiki theft, but also with another brand who I love. And I'm starting to notice a pattern <laughs> about the brands that I like and <laughs> them stealing things and, and then I can't like them anymore. Um, so this brand is Marc Jacobs. Now, Marc Jacobs, I love Marc Jacobs designs. I love how loud they are. I love how fun they are. I love how creative they are. What I don't love is his serious, flippant, just history of cultural appropriation. So recently, during one of his fashion shows, he had the models walk around with dreadlocks. And they weren't just, you know, your, your typical sister locks or nice and neat, nicely spun. They were yarn-created dreadlocks, and there were yarn-created dreadlocks slapped onto white models. Because um, unless you're not paying attention to fashion, which is pretty much everybody, and that's fine, but if you're not paying attention to fashion, you wouldn't notice that fashion has a major diversity problem. And you could talk about you know, ableism, you could talk about size discrimination, but for the sake of our purposes today, we are talking about ethnicity and the, the serious lack thereof, the diversity that is lacking. However, what is not lacking is elements of diverse culture, specifically black culture. And so Mark got into a lot of trouble with stealing the dreadlocks. And I believe the year before that, it was Bantu knots. And then there was a time not, not too far from that where it was something they called boxer braids. Have you ever heard of that? I never met that sis, but I did meet cornrows, okay? And so then very, very recently, he had his models walk around in head wraps. 
I, again, I lie to you not, head wraps, full on African head wraps, which again would be great if there was any models of color, not to say that white models can't wear it, but again, how are you stealing from the culture as opposed to appreciating from the culture, right? And he is a flippant thief of black culture. And it's, it's disheartening to see like one of your favorite designers. I can imagine if it was somebody who like just generally sucked, uh, people who just, we, I just really didn't care for, but this is somebody who like, I really admire for his creativity and the sheer theft that happens just shows a lack at the, at the very base of things, a lack of creativity. And at the top of things, at the worst of things, it just shows blatant racism. Ooh, there goes that word again, racism. Um, and apparently as black people, we toss that word around a lot, according to those who, you know, actually are racist. (laughs) So yeah, Mark Jacobs, what he had to say was all who cry cultural appropriation or whatever nonsense about any race or skin color, wearing their hair in any matter. Funny how you don't criticize women of color for straightening their hair. I'm coming back to that, but back to this quote. I respect and am inspired by people and how they look. I don't see color or race. I see people. I'm sorry to to read that so many people are so narrow-minded. Love is the answer. Appreciation uh, Appreciation of all and inspiration from anywhere is a beautiful thing. Think about it. Holy smokes. Where do we start, folks? Let's start with the first part where we put a pin. So when he says no one called, no one criticizes women of color for straightening their hair. There is a deeper conversation about hair, specifically black hair, as it relates to white culture. Um, There are laws called the Tingong laws. Google them, look them up. They were specific laws from the deep south like louisiana where women of color black women who used to adorn their hair and braid their hair in certain ways were legally not allowed to do that and they were forced to wear head wraps they had to hide their hair now being in the creative and beautiful and vibrant culture that is from the diaspora of course, our head wraps were popping. Of course, they were brightly colored. And of course, you know, that leads to some, some, not all, but some of the head wrap culture that we see today. So you have the legalization of, of suppression of creativity as it, as it is surrounded by our naturally growing hair. And then you have the more subtle things about how there's good hair versus not good hair. And this is a whole conversation that we can actually have for another day. But for our purposes of cultural appropriation, bruh, nobody is trying to get Appalachian Remy. Nobody is trying to get (laughs) Bayou Remy. No one is trying to get... Uh, Massachusetts Remy. We're not straightening our hair to look like white people. Anyway, and if we're getting our hair from any place that is straight, like straight hair, we're getting it from other people of color. 
So there's that. That's the first part. Uh, the second part, there are people of color with naturally straight hair. Bomb dropped. <laughs> there's people of color and people of African descent with naturally straight hair. That's just the way it grows out of their scalp. So there's no cultural appropriation there. There's no cultural theft there of the way it naturally grows out of their head as opposed to, oh, look at how, look at those intricate patterns they are creating with those braids. I think I'm going to put them on my models and call them boxer braids. Or in Kim Kardashian's case, Bo Derek braids, as if Bo Derek didn't have her braids styled or inspired by women of Africa, women of the diaspora who had their hair braided with tons of beads on the end. Venus and Serena when they were kids I'm just saying that that style is nothing new that is a one of the main styles of the culture but it's Boderic braids my favorite my absolute favorite were the mini buns the mini buns happen when you take your hair and you twist it up real tight, so tight that it starts to coil around itself and you coil it and coil it and coil it around until you have a tiny bun also known as a Bantu knot. Completely ridiculous. And these are just a few examples of cultural theft. Bantu knots you can see all over Africa. Locks, twists, braids. They are all inspired by people of color. And here's where the theft comes in. The theft comes in not in just the wearing of the hairstyles, but in the changing of the names, boxer braids, mini buns, things like that. So again, cultural theft, just like Dior with the dashiki. It's, <laughs> it's alarming. It's frustrating as a person of color, especially when you see elements of your color that were once considered ghetto. Hello, slick edges and enormous, uh, enormous earrings with your name across them and nameplates. Remember when nameplates were considered ghetto? How about this? Timberland boots. When Timberland boots were considered ghetto. And then all of a sudden it just comes out as fashionable. What? <laughs> Since when? It was, it was ghetto when Shanice and them were wearing it, but now that Samantha is wearing it, it's suddenly high class. It's suddenly creative and edgy. Really? Really? Appropriation. So, for our sakes of the conversation, cultural appropriation is defined as the act of taking something illegally or unfairly, especially without respect or comprehension of the culture. Cultural appreciation, however, is the feeling or expression of admiration, approval, or gratitude when it comes to elements of culture and are used while honoring the source that they are from. Big difference from stealing to admiration and honoring where ele different elements are from. Back to the whole Dior thing and seeing the dashiki and saying, hey, this is from the Yoruba tribe. Hey, this is from the Hausa tribe. Hey, this is from the, this is from the Mali kingdom. 
why don't we honor those traditions? Why don't we honor that history and co-create together versus, oh, we were inspired by 20th century dancers. It's erasure. It's complete erasure of culture as opposed to appreciation of culture. And this, you can find this anywhere. You can find, <laughs> you can find so much cultural appropriation and not just within just black culture. Uh, recently, Selena Gomez got into trouble for her Bollywood-like dance that she did with a bendy on her head. Um, complete, complete disregard for the meaning of of what these symbols mean. Um, actually, Iggy Azalea got into trouble too for wearing a very sacred uh, Hindu headdress and riding on the back of an elephant. Uh, that got into her into a lot of trouble. Katy Perry constantly getting in trouble for this, particularly for her performance um, as a Japanese geisha. You know, and I could go on and on and on and on. There are so many examples of cultural theft as opposed to cultural appreciation. Now, this latest one was really, really frustrating. Um, Allure magazine posted a few years back about what they called a quote-unquote loose afro, where basically they braided up a white woman's hair um, with the promises of saying like, you know, she could, you know, you can, you can have an Afro. Um, and they described the Afro as, um, an Afro is not an introvert style. It's a balls, it's ballsy and powerful. It's confident hair. If you don't have natural curls, but there is some waviness to your hair, scrunch palmfuls of mousse from the roots of end of, uh, to the ends of damp hair and use a diffuser. Then wrap tiny sections around a barrel curling iron and be patient. The tinier the sections, the bigger the afro. And then they also offered a, a braid, a braided version where you would braid your hair. Well, you do the same thing, but you, then you would braid your hair instead of using heat and then take the braid out. Whew, Allure got their behind handed to them including women who are saying, yo, that's just the, that's technically a glorified twist out. And then they said, hashtag cultural misappropriation. Um, and it was a great opportunity for a Lord to actually talk to people, talk to people who actually had an Afro and how to take care of a natural Afro. They completely missed that part and missed an opportunity to connect with a completely different audience. Uh, and it's just, it's really, really funny. Another comment I read said, everybody wants their hair styled, but no, don't nobody want to be profiled. Completely true. Completely true. Everybody wants braids. Everybody wants cornrows. Everybody wants the, the quote unquote mini buns and the boxer braids and the, the locks, but nobody wants the, the body that it's attached to. Everybody wants the culture, the beauty of the culture, but nobody wants the actual life. Everybody wants the aesthetics. Nobody wants the actual life. And so this goes out to people who are still, for the love of God, wearing native headdresses to these concerts, um, to these events. People who are taking Day of the Dead makeup and painting skulls and putting rose crowns on their heads. Um, That's part of Mexican culture. That ain't your culture. 
and you're just ripping it off just so you can look spooky for Halloween. That's not okay. That is not okay at all. And yet, here we are, still ripping off of people's cultures just so we can seem cool, just so we can seem edgy, as opposed to ways to benefit these cultures that we feel so inspired by. So I encourage all of you to look down deep, look around your homes, look in your closets and see if there's anything that may be considered appropriation and figure out a way that if you want to, if you want to wear these things, you got to benefit those cultures. You got to find a way to connect to those cultures if they're not your own. Otherwise, you're really just insulting them. That's today's message cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Um, And now on to our unpopular opinion. This week's unpopular opinion. If only they loved the people as much as they love the culture. So the whole premise and the entire basis of cultural appropriation is theft. You're stealing from a culture, whether it's the forehead bendies um, that Gwen Stefani and, you know, Selena Gomez were got, got in a lot of trouble for wearing. Whether it's the Bantu knots, the boxer braids, the locks, the head wraps that Marc Jacobs keeps stealing. Whether it's the dashiki from Dior, whether it's. Kendall and Kylie Jenner taking images of Tupac and Biggie and then superimposing their own faces over the t-shirts. It is still cultural theft. It is stealing from a group of people to benefit yourself, to make yourself look cool without any comprehension or respect for that culture. How is it respectful to people of color when you wear braids. Ah, you didn't think of that, did you? How is that respectful? Or do you just not care? Because if you just don't care, you know, you're just a flat out racist and we can just move along with our lives. But if you actually do care, if you're not a racist, if you're not a bigot, if you're not a cultural thief, then you have to consider these things. We have to be responsible. There's nothing wrong with appreciating culture. There's nothing wrong with trying to partner with people of different cultures. But you got to be prepared first for what you learn when you get into that culture. What they tell you, you have to be prepared to listen to. And it's not always going to make you feel good. And it's not going to always be good for your feelings. That's a co- another conversation for another day. But... If you really care about the culture, how are you helping that culture? If wearing the bindi is all you want to do, then fine, but be prepared to be dragged. If wearing the Native American headdress out to Burning Man or to the voodoo, uh, the, the voodoo concerts that were just recently happening, if, if that's what you want to do, if wearing the Day of the Dead makeup, like a, like looking like a sugar skull with a rose crown on your head, if for Halloween, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But be prepared to be dragged. Don't come crying onto the socials because you made a poor decision by stealing someone else's culture. No one's going to feel bad for you. 
No one is going to feel bad for you dressing up like a pilgrim and having your husband dress up like a Native American, uh, Hillary Duff, because that did happen. No one's going to feel bad for you for your blackface and getting all dragged across the internets, uh, Juliana Huff. No one's going to feel bad for you uh, because you decided that you like Japanese culture and want to dress up as a geisha for a, as a costume for one of your performances, Katy Perry. Nobody feels bad. No one feels bad. But a little bit of cultural understanding will teach you why you can't do that. Why you should be hesitant to wear sacred headdresses. Why you should be hesitant to simply throw on a dashiki before you go for a swim at the beach. Why you should be hesitant to call something bow Derek braids. When even Bo Derek should acknowledge that, that that style came from a culture. And how does that show appreciation for that creativity? Or are you just out to steal just so you can look creative? It's high time people take responsibility for their own actions, and including aesthetics. So, maybe you should love the, love the people. Maybe you should love the people of the culture as much as you love the aesthetics of the culture. That wraps up. That wraps up our show for today. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Thank you for the ideas. Thank you for the conversation offline. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing. We are now on nine different platforms, including Apple Podcasts. What's up, Apple fam? Not that I didn't love everybody else. I'm just saying I'm, I'm in my element now. I am an Apple user. I have drank the Apple juice. So what's up? Apple, iTunes, all of that. But you can find the Reclaim podcast on nine different platforms. Like, share, subscribe. Continue to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at The Reclaimed. And yeah, that's today's show. Thank you guys so much. Um, peace. <laughs>